0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting. And you're listening
1: to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Me and this fat kid, we ran, we ate, and read books. And it was fun. (laughs) Welcome back, you are listening to Three Guys in a Flick, this is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Hunt for the Wilder People. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from somewhere in the bush, <laughs> you said bush, oh for fuck's sakes, my name is Don, and to my right we have the comic book guy. this is John. Howdy. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: Majestical.
1: Are you doing majestical?
0: I am majestical.
1: That's not a word.
0: Well, neither is molester.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. How how are you doing? You know, not too bad. Not too bad. Life is is grand. What are you going to do? Right? Another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Another podcast
0: and another puppy snuff film.
1: Um, I, I this is I don't think this instance uh, is a puppy snuff film, John. I apologize, it's not. Does the dog die? Yes, but the dog dies. Is it? Does it the dog die in
2: malice because of somebody?
1: No, but you can kill it. But all then the that's, good reasons. But it's then still that and then the that dog. eliminates the whole snuff part. But the snuff part is done out of malice,
0: positive or negative. Did he kill the dog?
1: What do you mean, positive or negative?
0: Positive? Was it for a positive reason or a negative reason? Did he kill the dog?
2: Yeah, he killed the dog.
0: Then it's a puppy snuff film, even though it was done
2: for the sake of a humane sake. Exactly. Still. You, you have a funny outlook on what a puppy snuff film
1: is. I don't, I don't think he understands truly what the word "snuff" means. Snuff I mean, means I, I get, I get that in regards to uh, movies. Film terms. Um, I mean, I get it. No one likes to watch pets die, but I wouldn't call it a puppy snuff film at all. Um, John right. Wick, the first one, close. Right, because that was that was
2: done, you know, it, it was a deliberate choice that the person made. Yeah, they killed the fucking puppy. For no good reason. No good reason. It was being you know. loud
0: and noisy. Was it? Yeah. He said, "Can she, can you shut that dog up? Oh. And then the guy goes over and
1: kills it. Yeah, well, that would be closer to puffy stuff than this film. So, there you go. Agree to disagree. Tonight, we are talking about the hunt for the wilder people. This comes to us via the Bronco helmet from our true believer, Zach. Uh, He threw it in there a while ago. Have you guys seen this before?
2: Yes, I have. I just want to say, thanks, Zach. I have not seen it before.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I was getting there, Professor... Uh, Thanks, buddy, for throwing it in the helmet. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. Released on January 22nd, 2016, The Hunt for the Wilder People was directed by Taika Waititi. Screenplay by Taika Waititi. Based on the book Wild Pork and Watercress by Barry Crump. And it stars Sam Neill, Julian Dennison, Ray's Darby, Rima T. Wata, Rachel House, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $2.5 million and it brought in $23 million.
0: I read that this was the first New Zealand movie to break a million dollars on its opening weekend.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, up to this point, it was the highest grossing movie that New Zealand has ever had. Yeah. He got half of his budget from the New Zealand Film Corporation.
1: Well... What can you fucking say? Uh, Taika Watiti has become quite the filmmaker, right? Uh, just quite the creative artist. You sure. know, you, you look at where he's kind of come from, and I guess we'll just jump right into this. Um, Taika comes out, he starts with short films. Yep. And then he actually gets nominated for an Oscar, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe once or twice. I don't know, no, I don't no, know the specifics, but no. he gets
2: nominated. No, he got, well, eventually he does win one Oscar.
1: Right, but I'm talking about just to the shorts oh, right now. Uh, yeah, just, I, right. just just the shorts.
2: His first directorial debut is a movie called e- Eagle versus Shark, and then it's followed by Boy,
1: and then the third one that he did was What We Do in the Shadows. And I think that's what kind of really really put him on the map. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but curiously enough, this this writing project of his started before all of these movies. Yeah. He had been tinkering with it for a long
1: time. Yeah, He uh, said that because this wasn't something that came out of his head, this is adapted. Uh, He was trying to do it beat for beat and just pay a lot of respect to it and... Just show it the love that he thought it deserved, and then he goes on and he makes these three feature films, and he comes back and he goes, you know what? Nope, don't need all that. This is how you make a movie. And he took the essence and the the outline of it, and you know, put and
2: what he thought would work cinematically,
1: and put exactly he put his Taika Waititi on it, and he fucking yeah, I think he nailed it. So
0: I, I saw a great description of kind of his style, which is. Uh, Family humor with heart.
1: Oh, yes. Um, And, you know, Taika Waititi's films, all of them have heart. And what Taika Waititi really knows how to do is find uh, humor in tragedy. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you have traumatic times or traumatic themes, um, humor always counterbalances that. You know what I mean? And And I believe that in life. Uh, so he does such a fantastic job of capturing it in a tender way. You have fun at a movie of his that has a really uh, somber theme. Jojo Rabbit.
2: Totally. Right? And and he is so uh, gifted in how he's telling his story. This type of a movie could not be made in Hollywood. Because Taika had so much creative control on this, he was able to put forth know the essence or the core or or the heart of the movie that he wanted to have and something like this is hard to get made in Hollywood agreed Yeah. yeah so in talking about this movie not being made in Hollywood because of the strength of this movie it was released in January but it came out in America it was released in America I think it was June 24th and June 24th, that's right in the middle of summer movies. And so putting this movie out there, its first weekend, it's going up against Finding Dory, Independence Day Resurgence, Central Intelligence, and The Shallows. And so having it with these other movies in there, it had a very modest beginning. It only made 78000 in the first week. Right. Sure. in the second week, it made more. In the third week, it made more. In the fourth week, it made more. In the fifth week, it made more. And so what this is telling me when I look at this is this is a movie that has very good word of mouth. That's how a movie like this uh, is able to make its presence known is because of word of mouth. Right. And that is what shows Taika Watiti knows what he's doing when he put this movie out there. Absolutely.
1: And we've actually talked about Taika quite a bit on this podcast. After watching this, uh, what's your favorite Taika Watiti movie? Uh boy.
2: You know, this this is awesome, but I, I can't get oh Jojo Rabbit might be, but you know, Ragnarok is certainly up there
1: as well. Sure, sure, sir.
0: Normally I would say Ragnarok, but if I eliminate Ragnarok, it's what we do in the shadows.
1: Why would you eliminate Ragnarok?
0: Uh just I because thought you love that. Marvel movies are always number one for me. So that is always the number oh. one. But I'm just saying <laughs> okay. if you eliminate yeah, sure, sure, Marvel yeah. movies and because it's not your typical, I think, you know, the the family with the heart and all that. If you want to go with just what I think is an all-around underappreciated is what we do in the shadows. Okay. Because uh, the original is amazing. The spin-off series that's on, you know, American TV now is amazing. Um, I just love it all around. It's just an amazing novel idea. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. I would say Ragnarok is my favorite. And um, I think that this would be a close second. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because this one, like as we'll probably continue to say, it's the heart. I was happy watching it. Throughout most of the movie, I have a smile on my face.
0: Can I bring up one point that kind of stuck out to me a little bit in this movie? There was something about watching this movie that reminded me of another movie.
1: Can I say no? No, you cannot. Then why'd you ask the question?
0: Because I thought I would just be nice anyway. Let's look at the plot of this movie. A cantankerous old man... Who loses his wife early on in the movie, gets teamed up with a fat kid, goes on a crazy adventure which involves a dog, they find a very rare bird, and eventually they lay the wife's spirit to rest in a paradise type area. That movie sound familiar at all? Yeah, and Tyka admitted that too. Oh, did he? What did he say? Because I was curious about that.
2: Well, no, he, he, it's just that he
0: he knows that you know it is reminiscent of Up. Of Up, because it sounds very similar to it. But you know what? Even knowing that that it's so similar, I almost felt like this is the perfect live edition of that movie.
1: That is a very interesting way of looking at it. I, you know what? To tell you the truth, I never put the two together.
0: Oh, I felt it right off the bat.
1: I didn't, not at all. Maybe I mean I love Up. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but. I just didn't put them together. But a live-action version of Up, that's that's not bad.
0: And I did a little research on it because I was wondering if maybe they got inspired by that. I've done a little looking into the original book, which is Wild Pork and Watercress uh, by Barry Crump. That came out in 1986. And I know there's some differences between the book and the movie. They're, they're, but the main theme is the same. Uh Up came out in 2009 and this movie came out in 2016. So you really can't say who took from who because maybe Up took from the original book.
2: Well, the tone of the book is different than the movie.
1: And Taika had said he had started working on this in 2005, Mm -hmm. but who knows, you know. Mm -hmm.
2: So another interesting little footnote, which we have briefly mentioned in a podcast of yesteryear taika is writing a script for flash
1: gordon yeah that's what i heard and
2: i am very excited about that is that
1: still a go as far as i know (laughs) that rhymed cool yeah um fuck uh taika take my money i'll see anything he does twice if
2: i like it i'm really looking forward to a couple of projects that he's got coming up one is and i don't know when it comes out but he's writing and directing akira nice yeah and the other one is slated for 2025 it is an unknown star wars project
1: i thought that fell through i don't know oh i thought that one fell through uh because he did boba fett or mandalorian which one do you do i think he did boba fett he
2: he did one episode of mandalorian oh there was uh, the mandalorian right season one right yes probably yeah it was the end
0: yeah he got a lot of negative press for his love and thunder yeah love and thunder yeah and you know I've watched that movie a couple times since we originally went to it, and I feel like the bad press is not, like, deserved. I thought it was actually, it was a good movie. It wasn't good as Ragnarok, and I think that's why he gets the bad press, because everyone compares it to Ragnarok. That's what I think, too.
1: Well, they can all fuck off about that. That's what I think, too. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Ragnarok. Everybody's got an opinion. Love and Thunder is a solid fucking film, and if people don't like it, they don't like it. You know what I mean? So let's talk a little bit about this cast, right? You got Sam Neill from Jurassic Park fame, Uh, Julian Dennison, who, oddly enough, know him as the kid from Deadpool Deadpool 2, which comes out way later, and then you going back and seeing him this, I'm like, oh, look how young he is.
0: You know, the funny thing, too, I thought when I saw him in this movie was... He, he he does an amazing job, but I feel like in this movie and in Deadpool 2, he's almost playing the same character.
1: Eh, maybe he's got so kind is of the
0: him. same mannerism, the same way he delivers his lines. So does Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, absolutely true. You, you
1: know, know what I mean,
2: you know, a, another uh, actor in this movie also plays the same character in Ragnarok. Uh,
1: not not the Ra- child Ra- we not the child welfare lady.
0: Yeah, Rachel House. <laughs> Yeah, she's in Ragnarok.
1: Oh, oh, oh! I thought you said played the same character.
0: Well, you know what? I same mean. style. Yeah, character. same no, style.
1: Was it? Yeah. I Love, don't know. Kind of bitchy. I think. I think. Uh, old, old. I think. I think her performance of Ragnarok is so much more deadpan. Mm-hmm. This one, she has a little bit of. You're not. The, you're more like Sarah Connor. You know, she had a little bit more. But I rec. I knew I fucking recognized her because I didn't put two and two together right mm-hmm. away. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh my god, that's what's her name? Who calls? Tessa Thompson trash.
0: And who else does it have that uh, Tycho likes working with?
1: Ray's Darby uh, from Our Flag Means Death.
0: Yeah, we just got to see him at uh, the Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah,
1: yeah he uh, he pops up a lot. Yeah. yeah. He was also in Flight of the Concords. Yes. Tycho's in this as well. What did yeah. you guys think of him?
0: Uh, I thought his deliverance of being the preacher was actually pretty funny, and I guess it was based on a real funeral that he had gone to.
1: Oh, my God. It was hilarious. So funny. Soundtrack. What did you guys think of the soundtrack?
2: Oh, I, I definitely dug some of the uh, the the, uh, the needle drops. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, what
0: about you? I loved it. In fact, I went through and I looked up the soundtrack, and just for shits and giggles, go look at the names of some of the songs that they play through. Like, the one with big car chasing. Did you catch the name of the song?
1: Uh, probably. I had the captions on, and it showed me the name, but it doesn't. The name my... is Majestical.
0: Yes, yeah, and if you look at the words, like I was looking at the words during the song, it literally sums up the whole movie that song, and it's just, you have to go back and listen to it. I, 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 I thought the soundtrack was a great. So
1: so did I. I thought the soundtrack was a little bit all over the place, but it fit perfectly with what we were watching on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice that the soundtrack when he uh, when he's infatuated by the girl, it's a chocolate candy. Uh, commercial no i did not catch that so yeah if you read the words uh, it's a chocolate candy commercial and he's looking at her and her hair's doing this and it's meant to be not a chocolate candy commercial i did catch
0: the combinations of kind of the new zealand kind of folkish type stuff and then when they were focusing on ricky it was more gangster or you know going towards towards his type character so i thought that was well done yeah i kept waiting for the jurassic park theme though kind of so you guys ready to jump back into the bush with some trivia questions? The purpose of the trivia round is to see which, between Don and the professor, who has the most movie knowledge, especially since it's about the movie we just watched. So starting with question one, I'm going to throw you an easy one. At his birthday party, how old was Ricky Baker turning? Thirteen. Thirteen think don was first so i'm giving don the point on that one how many doors do you have to go through to get to jesus yep ken got that one
1: okay so i think you have to put in some fucking jeopardy rules i think you have to i think you have to finish the question before you okay
0: well we'll set that fuckers to to finish the question
1: well now i'm not going to
0: when ricky baker first arrives at the farm what did it say on the back of his jacket uh
1: Oh, 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 I know, I know it. Huh? All signs No, 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 no. Uh, um it's Tupac. Um all eyes on me.
0: All eyes on me. Nice work. Bam. What song? And this will be a lot easier if you had the captions on. What song played at Bella's funeral?
1: I don't know. Uh, fuck, I don't know either. Old Rugs Cross. Oh, that that old gem. Don't you remember that one, professor? We just listened to it the other fucking day.
0: What's the name? Of the police officer. Andy. Don got it. According to the article, how old is heck? 59. 56. 65. Fucker. And for the last one, what is the name of Psycho Sam's truck? Crumper. Crampy. Crumpy. Crumpy. It's named after the author. Oh. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, no, no, no. tabulating the scores.
1: I've got to be in the lead by now.
0: Uh, well, according to my totals. I love that he fucking wrote something down. <laughs> according according to my totals, Don, I believe we now have a tie. We are tied. That, that's
1: impossible. I just answered more questions.
0: Exactly. And that makes it a tie now. Oh, for fuck's sake.
1: Ricky Baker, a juvenile delinquent who was abandoned by his mother, is taken by Child Welfare Services Officer Paula and Police Officer Andy to live in a remote farm with foster Aunt Bella Faulkner and her husband, the cantankerous Southern man Hector, or Heck. Heck is remote, but Bella quickly manages to break through Ricky's defense shell by taking him hunting and giving him a dog for his 13th birthday, which he names Tupac after his idol Tupac Shakur. So the first thing that I notice about this movie is the epic opening uh, shots of New Zealand and uh, how the camera is just flying overhead and just showing us what this country looks like, you know. Lovely drone work throughout. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to make of this film when I first saw it, but... Um, you know, any, any movie that opens with a sweeping wide shot like this, yeah, I'm, I'm game. So.
2: We are certainly out in the outback. We are
1: definitely on our own. Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Um, and so this is where we meet uh, Ricky. He gets delivered to the farm and doesn't really have much to say.
0: Well, one thing I appreciate about this movie is there are so many laugh out loud scenes. There are so many scenes that you just can't help but chuckle at. And the the first one for me came during this first introduction of Ricky and Paula talking to Bella and all that stuff. When Ricky gets out and kind of just walks off and then you see him circling around the back of the cabin and immediately getting back into the back of the the police car. Yeah, I don't know why that just made me laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, because he wanted to leave. Yeah, right? I'm having none of this. Yeah. And this is also where Taika decides to tell us that this story is going to be told in chapters. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got chapters throughout the film. And uh, I agree with you. He he gets out, but when he gets back in, just that whole, like you were saying, Professor, fuck that. Yeah, funny. Uh, but Paula, you know, she says, what's the alternative? You know what the alternative is. You're going to go to Juvie. So you can either get out or you can go Juvie. So, I mean.
2: Something else that we also get introduced to almost immediately is Taika and his... Montages. He enjoys his montages in this because we have several of them. When we have Paula explaining, oh, yes, yeah, Ricky Baker, apparently he's a real bad egg. We're talking disobedience, thieving, spitting, running away, throwing rocks, burning stuff, loitering, graffiti. And then we get each one of those little tidbits where we see him doing each one of those little things.
1: It reminded me of Guy Ritchie. Sure, you know sure, what I mean? yeah. Not as fast and hectic and aggressive and in your face, but just kind of calm, cool, and collective, like Taika. You know what I mean? But I agree, those, those cuts and his editing style throughout this film, money, absolutely money. And this is also where we get to meet Hector. I love his intro. Him walking up the hill, carrying See, the pig. Seeing that
2: pig first breaking the horizon line.
1: Right. And you can tell right away that uh, Hector's just grumpy. Yeah, you know what I mean? He I, wants nothing to do with any of this. You know, I imagine that's how I'm going to be. when Going
0: to be? Okay, fair
1: enough. <laughs> Let's just say in my elder years, it just, it'll probably going to get worse. Oh. So, sorry, guys.
0: I did like... Uh, you know, first of all, the way Paula's explaining Ricky, like you are talking about Professor, uh, and her kind of mannerisms, you kind of get an impression right away. When she starts talking negative about Ricky, you know, no, no... Returns, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're trying to think: is she being funny or is she being serious? Who, uh, Paula, the 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 child support lady? You know, oh, she, oh, Paula. I thought I
1: thought you were talking about Bella.
0: No, right away, you're trying to figure out: does she really hate Ricky that much, or does she just hate her job that much, or whatever? Uh, you get a grasp for what her character is like.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely, and I and I think that Paula's character uh, is. Uh, our antagonist really uh, of the film. No child left behind. And that's funny that she keeps quoting that, right? By any means necessary, no child left behind. And, you know, the extremes that they go to throughout this film uh, and then the banter between Ricky and Paula, I think it was a good dynamic.
0: I also liked when Paula left and Bella is talking to Ricky, how you could tell she was very awkward. She kept making fat jokes. And she she, didn't know how to react with She makes one fat
1: joke. Give her a break. I think she
2: made two on the way in. But she had that cantankerous laugh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and you know she thought she was funny. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a rough first night for Ricky. Doesn't say anything, really. And they have dinner. And Bella's doing all the talking, trying to warm up. And, you know, heck is no help. He's just sitting there. And so... Uh, I loved
0: his reaction. It's like, you can call him uncle. No, he can't.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and that becomes a recurring theme, right, throughout the film.
0: Did you uh, hear how Sam Neill uh, described this movie? No. He basically said this movie is full of funny people and one old guy who's not.
1: <laughs> I don't know who that would be because Sam Neill's funny. He's funny in this. Well, he plays
2: the straight man. Yeah. And, yeah. and the straight man, you know... You got to have it in order to have the humor
1: work. That's right. That's right. Because it bounces off. And when the straight man delivers, that's supposed to be the one that everyone's like, ah, you know, that's that's the payoff.
0: It's also a payoff too when the straight man eventually cracks a joke.
1: So Ricky goes to bed and then he oh, right. he, he uh-huh. notices uh, hottie. the hottie in his bed. And that, that kind of triggers something maybe, but we know it's going to come back. But uh, inevitably everyone would see this coming is he runs away. And what's great about this is when he wakes up the next morning, he has his hood all the way closed up, up yeah. and Bella's sitting there and it's he a didn't mirac- make
2: it's a miracle. We found you. <laughs> he's just up the hill. 200 meters from the farm.
1: Uh, and then he's, uh, then she says, you know, uh, heck is making breakfast. So come have pancakes, eggs, whatever. And then, and then you can run away.
0: Yeah, you can run away after that. And every I like how she every day she asks him, You gonna run away again today? Yeah. I no, mean, you at least want to have a full stomach before you run away.
1: Right. I mean she's she's trying to let him know that if if he wants to go, he can go. Yeah. She's not gonna stop him. Yeah. But
2: you're gonna run away tonight? I don't know, maybe. We'll yeah. Just be back in time for morning.
1: Right. I mean it's just give her a chance too, right? Is what is kind of what she's saying. And then um
0: I, I think immediately you can't help but fall in love with Bella. Oh, uh, just her character alone. She's so infectiously sweet. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and she and she right now is the glue that's holding this family together. After the first night that he runs away, she starts showing him things, right? Yeah, uh, picking the fur. Yep. And then the pig. Oh I, god. The, oh my god. The, I the thought pig. the pig was hilarious. The bit with the pig. Oh my god. I
0: love it. He's so gangster and all about the scuck's life and when he sees what she does, He just passes out.
1: Yeah. You know, (laughs) but they're starting to bond, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and he's starting to kind of accept it. And then, uh, and then it's his birthday. Right. And I love this fucking scene and I don't know why, but when I first saw this movie, that song was so infectious and just the whole thing, it just had so much heart in it, you know.
0: Do you know where that, why they had to use that song? Why is that? Because uh, at that t- point in our history, the Happy Birthday song was copyrighted. So they couldn't use the regular Happy Birthday song. So they had to come up with something else. And I'm really glad they did. Well, you'd, you could use it, but you had to pay for it. You had to pay for
2: it. But, yeah. I, but ironically, what ended up happening was the copyright lapsed. So by the time the film was released... They could have used the happy birthday song, but they didn't know that at the time.
1: Oh, but this works so much better.
2: And just watching Heck sit there with his eyes. He is just screaming how awful this is for him.
1: And I love how Ricky is so into it. And then they get to the chorus, which is just his name. And then he starts joining in. And uh, it's such a good moment. It's such a good moment.
0: And again, we talked about heart in this movie. First of all, with the hottie, which I took it to mean that this is the first time anyone's shown actually that they cared about him, that they cared about his, you know, comfort and all that. And then they give him the dog.
1: Oh, yeah. So he gets his birthday present, which I absolutely loved. First and, one he's ever gotten. And uh he names he ends up with the name Tupac. And Bella says, Who's Tupac? And he says, Oh, it's this famous gangster rapper. And he's kind of my best friend, you know. And so they end this moment on uh, such a nice way. Mm-hmm. You know You know what I mean? And then they turn around. It's the next day, well,
2: and he's, he's
0: running around with the dog,
1: yeah, playing
2: we,
0: with the dog. We get the classic boy and his dog scene. Yes. And then 18 minutes in, bam, slapped you right in the face. I felt more of a kick in the balls than a slap in the face.
1: When Bella suddenly dies and Heck gets a letter f- that informs Ricky that child services will take him back, Ricky ineptly fakes his suicide by burning a barn and runs away into the bush with Tupac, where he is completely unable to cope and gets lost. Heck finds him easily, but breaks his ankle in a fall, forcing the two to camp for a period of time. The authorities, meanwhile, have found the house empty and the barn burnt down, and come to the conclusion that the bereaved and mentally unstable Heck has abducted Ricky. The impression is strengthened after Heck and Ricky encounter three foolish hunters who get the idea that Heck is molesting Ricky. Heck reveals to Ricky that he has served prison time for manslaughter and is illiterate. Ricky, in turn, says his only friend in foster care has died and that his only options are risking the same fate in the foster system or serving time in juvenile prison. The pair agree to disappear into the bush. So, yeah, man, 18 minutes. Smack.
0: Did you see it coming? Right in the nuts. Did you see it coming though? No, I did not see it
1: coming. When you first saw it, you didn't see it coming, did you? No. Oh, neither did I. What a fucking ugh!
0: And the way they—they never even showed Bella. That all you could hear was you know see well you saw Ricky come around the corner and you can kind of see Heck off in the distance and he's just bawling.
2: Well, he's he's huddled over Bella. There's a tipped laundry basket.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, it was it
2: was so heart wrenching and listening to. sam neill deliver that i couldn't help but think about that myself what would that be like for me
1: yeah it definitely hits you and uh taika does it in such a way like you were saying that it's the the sight of it is subtle but the emotion and how sam neill is pulling it off and even the reaction from ricky in in his face it all that together is just absolutely heartbreaking and so now. They have to figure out what they're gonna do without Bella
0: well, first we have the funeral we go right to the funeral well
1: yeah, that's where I was going okay yeah um so at this funeral, what would you guys think of this whole funeral bit seven people ouch boy
2: it, it it is so it is so sad to think that this wonderful character and there are seven people there.
0: Well, the way I saw it, wasn't so much that there was just seven people there. They're out in the middle of nowhere, and people live miles apart. And it's also later on revealed that Bella had no family. Yeah. So and just the fact that she got seven people to show up is a pretty good thing for her.
1: That's kind of how I took it to them being out in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, and you know I, what I, mean. I
0: and I got that
2: too. But that also means that she didn't have that many people that we could count on her being somebody that's important to do you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah
2: and so with that if her impact is made in so few lives then it is a huge crater in both of these characters lives right now
1: oh sure and I mean they it is absolutely a huge crater and uh, you get Taika's performance as the minister which I thought was hilarious And then uh, Heck just gets up and walks out.
0: Yeah, you could see through the whole thing that Heck did not want to be there. Yeah,
1: I mean, he doesn't know how to deal with this, you know. And so we're back on the farm, and Heck gives Ricky this letter.
0: You know, I actually watched this movie twice, and I was looking for different things the second time through, and this is our first hint, almost foreshadowing, that you know Heck doesn't know how to read, because he hands the letter to Ricky, and he says to him, you read it out loud. Yeah. Here, he says, here, read this. Read it out loud.
1: Yeah. I never picked up on it until Ricky says, you know, you can't yeah. read. And then I was thinking, oh, they're going to have Ricky teach heck how to read. That's, that's, what huge. I, that's what I thought, too. I thought the same thing. It didn't fucking happen. No, he <laughs> teaches himself in the halfway yeah. house. <laughs> fucking Taika yeah.
2: turning shit around on us. So there he is. He finds out he's going to be put back into the child care system. And, you know, Heck says, you know, we need a woman. And I love, I love what, what Ricky says to him. Why don't we just go get you a lady and on the Internet, too? Mm, too, too soon?
1: Too soon. Too soon? <laughs> too soon? <laughs> See, that's, that's that humor in this tragic moment that I'm talking about. And you can't help but laugh. You know, so good. So they can't come up with any solution. Ricky is going to have to get picked up and, you know, Heck's okay with it. Cause heck really didn't want him anyway yeah. at, at that, at that moment well, in their relationship.
2: That's what Heck says.
0: Heck, yeah. heck said she wanted you, not me. Yeah. yeah. He also says, uh, I believe it's somewhere in this point, that he plans to go off into the bush and just disappear. Yeah. So having a kid would be a problem with that. Yeah.
1: So Ricky, not wanting to be picked up, uh, does what any normal sane kid would do. He
0: writes a suicide note. Did he write a suicide note? He wrote a suicide note. I didn't catch it until the second time. It just basically said uh, something like, I don't want to go back, so I've decided to suicide myself.
2: It It reads, goodbye, cruel world. Oh. Burned myself to death in this barn. As you can see, if you look in this barn, Ricky Baker. Yeah,
1: so he fakes his death. And <laughs> Very badly. I I love that he just he writes a face on a, a metal tray.
2: On a python.
1: And then uh, he I, I'm not sure if he meant to burn the whole barn down.
0: No, he just meant to burn the body, it looks like.
1: Oh my gosh, but he used so much fucking gasoline, right? And so he burns the barn down, he yells for Tupac, and then he takes off, mm-hmm. you know.
2: And then when he takes off, what's interesting is the music choice. It's this really catchy little tune called ocean blue and it's got a nice little swing to it and i thought that it was interesting that they chose to have this music for this moment because it felt kind of laid back and kind of sort of okay wait a minute no he's faking his death he's running away by
1: himself this is perilous but the music says hey it's okay that's right and that's what this film does you know, and and that's what I think I appreciate most about this film.
0: I do love his adventure in the bush by himself, where he goes through his supplies. Like within an hour, he eats all of his food. And I got
1: ten sandwiches. Yeah, he he goes through all of his supplies, and I really appreciate the transitions and the edits throughout this bit sure. too. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, because as that ocean blue music plays, yeah, and it just feels okay. But then all of a sudden, he starts hallucinating the food. Yep.
1: And then, uh, and then the burger talks to him, and it's Heck. It's Heck, and he finds him.
0: You were lost. No, I wasn't. The question I have about the scene where Heck finds him and then starts to lead him out is: Heck lost before he breaks his leg? I almost felt like they were just wandering around because he couldn't have gotten that far in, could he have? Sure. Why couldn't if he? I don't know. It just seemed like they wandered for a while before they had their big argument. I remember
2: before Heck got there, who knows, because they, they showed this one montage where we're looking down at the trees and we see Ricky on the left side of the screen and then he goes out, then he's on the top of the screen coming in and then he goes out and he comes in on the right side of the screen and then he goes out. So it's like, okay, so he's clearly wandering around and he's spinning around and spinning around but you know, maybe he really did hit this same spot three different times. Cause he's just going in these stupid circles.
1: Maybe. And maybe that's what it's supposed to be telling us. And, uh, was heck lost. No, I doubt it. Why, I, I why would he be lost?
2: I didn't think he was lost. Okay. For yeah, a there,
1: there's nothing in his character that would make me believe that he would be lost. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, this is where Ricky finds out that he can't read. Right. And, um, makes he, fun of him. Yeah. He makes fun of him and heck, Charges him and gets his leg so caught.
0: Twists his ankle. Yeah. call him a fat bastard or something like something that? Something
1: like that. And uh, he hit the ground. And this is kind of where I was like, really? Uh, they're out there for like six weeks?
2: Yeah, while his leg heals. Yeah. Well, well he said he needed three weeks for it to heal.
1: Right, but my point is they were out there for a really long fucking time. Yeah, throughout the whole movie, I think they're
0: out there just over five months. Yeah, crazy. In the meantime, we have Andy
2: and Paula show up, and they find the the remains in the barn
0: that aren't remains of anybody. Didn't she lift up the pie tin or something again and say to Andy, does this smell like a foster kid?
1: Or does it it look like a foster Uh, kid or something? Something, yeah, and she throws it at him.
2: And then from here, we are back at Broken Foot Camp. Chapter four. And then Ricky decides oh to go get food? Didn't you love him dancing? Yes.
0: Oh, oh god. That was so
2: funny watching him
0: dance. And
1: well, then he says, Uncle, you want to listen to my walkman?
0: No. Well, I love it in movies like this where they start off with the dancing, so you can actually hear the music and hear the song he's dancing to. And then they cut it to just like in Guardians of the Galaxy, they cut it to no music and you just see him dancing around. I love when Ricky decides to go hunting.
2: Here is our first foray into Ricky trying to navigate himself in the bush, and he's going to go hunting. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I thought it was kind of interesting in that he sees the bird, he aims up the shot, and then he gets thrown backwards. And all the other times, though, he had shot a gun that didn't happen.
1: Well, maybe he got nervous. Maybe he lost his footing. Maybe he wasn't balanced when he took the shot. Who knows why crazy yeah. people do what they do.
0: Exactly. But I love he comes back and uh, Heck has an eel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And And, and and he's hobbled, right?
0: And what does Ricky call it? A slug. Yeah. (laughs) This slug's actually pretty good. Yeah.
1: But at least they eat and they survive.
2: And over dinner, they start to kind of sort of connect a little bit. The conversation begins to become more than just transactional or even maybe, you know, not friendly necessarily, but they're starting to have a regular conversation
1: with each other. Sure. And then it grows from there. You know what I mean? So after six weeks, they find this hut. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys think of this whole, this whole bit? Can
0: you read what Ricky says to the hunters?
1: Not really a holiday because he makes me do stuff. He had a sore leg, so he made me do things to him. It was hard at first because my hands are so soft, but I got used to it. I didn't really want to do it, but it was the only way to survive. It wasn't always hard. Sometimes I got to do my own thing. He pretty much never joined in with me, though. I asked if he wanted to play with me, but he would just make me play with myself. And then, yeah. And they're just like, you perv. Oh, my gosh, I'm yes. has going to be sick. <laughs> that guy over and over yeah. again, right?
0: And I do love when Heck looks at that one hunter and says, say it again.
1: Yeah, because they were calling him a pervert, right? Yeah. And. Yeah, he calls it to him again. But do you notice that the hunters actually really kind of scared of him?
0: Yeah, and he basically was doing pretty well at fighting all three of them,
1: right? Until you know the the, the two get until he loses, you know, the upper hand. But um, I love what happens next. I love that Ricky grabs the gun, fires it, and then his line. And Shit just
0: got real. That's
1: the best. <laughs> mm.
0: And I loved that Heck parroted that line.
1: Oh, yeah. Later on in the film. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But Ricky has another really, really good
2: line. When he's reading the Wanted poster. Uh-huh. And he says, uh, Faulkner is cock Asian? Well, they got that wrong because you're obviously white.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Such goes, good writing. And then he says, I don't know if you caught it, but a little bit later on, he says, well, at least they think you're Asian. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh they leave they take the hunter's guns and they take out the bolts whatever they leave and then uh ricky's like what the fuck you know what i mean and uh heck is like dude you got to watch what you say
0: he goes oh
1: the the moment where ricky realizes what all of that sounded like oh it was priceless (laughs) so good and so this is also where we find out that uh heck has been to prison you know, we find out that Ricky had a friend in foster care, and you know, it they in- died.
0: It was interesting, the whole foster care thing, the story that Ricky tells. Uh, listening to it the second time, did you catch some of the little nuances in the story that he told? No. He basically told the story of his friend who went off to foster care and then started saying some things about the foster father, and... Of, you know, saying some lies about the foster father. So I'm sure the foster care system told him it was just lies, but then the friend mysteriously died. So it makes it sound like the foster father was doing something to this child and then killed the child that's to make what, the child disappear. That's how I took it too. Oh. So I didn't catch that the first time, but I caught it the second time.
2: Yeah. And so now Ricky, he's afraid that he, that he's going to end up in this foster care system and, Heck is afraid that he's going to end up in prison because no matter what Ricky says to the authorities, it's it's not going to to come out, right? And they're not going to believe him and he's going to go back to prison. Well,
0: one of the interesting things that I also caught in this movie was in the very beginning when Paula was talking about, you know, Ricky to Bella, she basically said, this is his last shot. Or I think she even said that to Ricky. This is your last shot. This is the last foster care parents we're going to put you in. So when Ricky starts arguing with Heck later, He basically says, I'm not going to another family. I'm going to juvie. And he's like, well, what's juvie? Juvenile prison. So there isn't another foster parents out there. There, If he gets caught, he's going to prison. Yep. And so at this point, they decide to stick together. And they
1: disappear into the bush. (laughs) Bush. (laughs) Grow up, will ya? A national manhunt ensues, and the two slowly bond while working together to escape arrest upon finding another hut they encounter an unconscious diabetic ranger heck decides to stay with the ranger and sends ricky to find help ricky runs into a girl his age named kahua who takes him back to her house and introduces him to her dad ricky stays the night and returns the next morning to the hut where heck was supposed to be ricky finds the place to be swarming with police led by paula and andy ricky runs away he later encounters paula and andy in the bush separated by a ditch paula attempts to bribe ricky asking him to say that heck was a sex offender in return she tells him that he will not ever go to juvenile prison ricky declines and runs away ricky catches up to heck by remembering the survival strategies heck taught him and they continue their travels They encounter a wild boar that moodily warns Heck's dog, Zag, forcing Heck to euthanize him. Ricky reveals he had been carrying Bella's ashes and originally planned to deliver them where the earth wets the cloak of the sky, as per her wishes. They bury Zag and scatter Bella's ashes in a remote waterfall high in a mountain range. Ricky and Heck find a man living out on his own called Psycho Sam. Sam lets them stay the night. After five months of surviving in the wilderness and several close calls, they are finally caught following a car and helicopter chase, and Ricky accidentally shoots Heck. Heck gets remanded, and Ricky is taken in by Kahua's family.
2: So we have another montage that begins with the with the two of them out uh, making their way out back. And uh, I, I love the song that they use. Sinner you guys familiar with that song? No. Oh, Cinnamon, where are you going to come to? <laughs> Cinnamon, where are
1: you going to come to? Oh, Cinnamon, where are you going to come to all on that day? I figure if I just keep staring at him, he'll keep singing to me.
0: I love I, it. I wasn't going to stop him.
1: Uh, these montages are well, fantastic. I run to the
0: rock, the rock cried out.
1: I run to the rock, the rock cried out. You realize I'm keeping every bit of this in here. <laughs>
0: at, at the end of the year, I think you need to do a greatest hits for us.
1: Oh, I sure. That'll be all, Professor. Oh but. yeah, well, I mean they fucking already nailed it out of the park, right?
0: Um, I do like you're talking about the montages. Are you talking about also how they they had all those close calls and? Uh, yeah, it's
1: just showing their life out on the on the range, right, or out in the bush,
2: and, and we see that Ricky is becoming more acclimated to. Life in the bush that he is able to hold his own.
1: Yeah. And uh, he's sticking with Hector and Heck is showing him the ropes and he's learning and and the two are becoming very functional, uh, living off the grid. And, you know, this is what Heck wanted. And this is what Ricky wants because he didn't want to go back to fucking juvie.
0: Can I ask a quick question? Sure.
1: Throughout the film,
0: it seemed like Ricky's phone still worked no matter where they went. Where, how was he getting it powered? He had a really good battery. You think that's what it was? I think maybe he just turned it on every once in a while. I was just trying to figure that because it seemed like, you know, a couple of things that, I don't know, started at this point in the movie that bothered me was that his phone would still work and that the dog's occasionally they would disappear and then they would reappear, and like they'd be out walking somewhere. There'd be no dogs, and all of a sudden, the next scene, there's the dogs right next to them again.
1: That's not abnormal at all. You don't think so? No, not at all. For and, people who live in the bush,
0: and no, that, whenever they were hiding from like the close calls and everything, the dogs were nowhere around, making no noise.
1: No, I, I didn't think twice about it because I think that's how life is in the bush you know it's pretty not not everybody has a frenchie that just sits by your side well i just thought maybe the dog's
0: barking the dog's playing the dog's running around the woods would be a dead giveaway
2: so we have this moment when we are up at that high lake region and when they're up in the high lake region we have an important breakthrough i think that that heck reveals to ricky which is what bella did for them she was somebody who took in strays he was a stray of sorts, if you will, and Ricky was a stray, and that was her gift.
1: I thought this. I thought he was going to take out the ashes and spread them here. That's what I thought. Because I thought this was the sky place. I thought this is where she wanted to right. go.
2: But Ricky covers it up. Yeah, he, he puts
1: it back in the... Because it's not the time, right, I guess?
2: Yeah, because I think he wanted Heck to be the one to do it, not him. Right, right. And Heck wasn't ready yet.
1: And now they they stumble upon this uh, ranger station.
2: Before we could do that, oh so quickly, we have that morning news show where Paula shows up on the morning news show. And she, oh yeah, sort of creepy on there, you know, where she says, you know, for the
0: children, yeah, for the children. And she starts. They talk the about children. you know that they, they. I think the newscasters, which I guess were real uh, New Zealand newscasters, they just threw them in the movie. That's awesome. Uh, but you know, they start talking about how this this nice uh you know foster care and he's like well he's not really a nice kid
1: yeah and she starts <laughs>
0: listing off all the bad things And it's he's the done. same
1: it's the same stuff that we cut from earlier right <laughs> but the way she says it yeah you're right it's good
0: and then like you were saying deadpan just almost angry saying no child left behind yeah yeah And <laughs> yeah.
2: she does it she says it three times and the the hosts are clearly unnerved by it
1: especially the guy right he's just he's he's looking around at all the people in the studio like is she fucking saying this yeah. is, am i hearing this right
2: Yeah. So right after this, then we reach the hut. We get to another hut, and I thought that was clever for Heck to throw the branch up onto the roof to see if anybody comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Knows what he's doing,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Not his first rodeo.
1: That's right. So they get into the hut, and then they find this guy, and they think he's dead. (gasps) It reminded me of Seven.
0: I loved how uh, Ricky screams.
1: Yeah. Turns out that he's not dead. He's just in a diabetic shock or having I mean, a diabetic episode, but we don't know that yet. Uh, but I like how uh, they have to go get help, but someone has to stay.
0: Well, before that, uh, I like when when Ricky calls Heck over and Heck basically says someone has to go get help and all that. What did Rick or uh, we have to do something about this? What did uh, Ricky say to Heck? But. Are, are you going to off him? Because if you are, I'm going to go step outside or something like that. Oh,
2: yeah. Or are you going to manslaughter him? you oh, man-slaughter. manslaughter
1: him. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't manslaughter him. But I like how heck makes Ricky go get help, right?
2: And that's another big deal. He's letting Ricky go out on his own. Yeah. It's a two-hour trek.
1: Yeah. Down to the bank or wherever it is, mm-hmm. right? And so this is where he runs into Kahua, uh, this gal on the horse. And clearly, she's not afraid of him, right? I mean, this is her area. This is her territory. Um, But he is so mesmerized by her.
0: He is completely entranced. Yes. The thing that I loved about her character, first of all, being so sarcastic. I loved the sarcasm, you know, like when he says, can we radio a helicopter, and she fakes the radio and all that. But did you notice that throughout this movie, Ricky's been doing the most talking there is. I mean, he's just talking over everybody nonstop. And when we
1: get to her, she's doing all the talking. She and, talks his And he can't
0: off. get a word in it. So it's I, almost like he's seeing himself through Yeah, I
1: did, I did notice that. So she takes Ricky back to her house, uh, gives him some food. They call for help, whatever. And I love the bit where her dad comes in. Because her dad is a huge fan. Well, I love you're you, first Ricky.
0: Ex- you're first expecting him to be maybe a responsible guy saying, oh, we got to do something about the kid. No, he just wants to get a, uh, selfie. a selfie with him.
1: And I love when he asks his daughter to take a selfie of them, and she's like, dad, it's not a selfie, selfie. if I'm taking
0: it. <laughs> she calls
2: him an idiot, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you're, you're killing me. I'm killing
1: you. Yeah. My head's so on good. his body. So good. So good. And Ricky just kind of goes along with it, mm-hmm. right?
2: And then the next scene where she's playing the guitar only to find out that the dad's in the room as well
1: just hanging out. Just sleeping on the couch. I love that song. Uh, Turning the Lights Down Low. It's a Bob Marley song. Oh,
0: is that, I was trying to figure yeah. out what that song was.
1: That's such a good song. And it, it's, it's one of those tender moments, mm-hmm. right? Because Ricky, probably exhausted, you know, and...
2: Well, this chapter is called A Normal Life. Yeah. It and shows him what a normal life could be. Yeah. Which is what he used to have before he was living in the bush. Right.
0: Well, I think it's also kind of, I got thought, I thought the symbolism was, you know, especially with the name A Normal Life and all that, is that even when Ricky first got to Bella and Hex, he didn't have that kind of, you know, like a sibling and just a normal house and lying around and singing songs and all that. This is what his life could be if, you know, he had an actual family.
1: Sure. And so morning comes and... He wasn't
0: supposed to sleep over because he was immediately supposed to go and warn Hex that help was coming
1: right but he overslept and he gets out there and he sees that the uh hut is overrun by the authorities
0: well right before that one of the fun another funny line that made me laugh out loud is when uh dismounting the horse Kahula, yeah she's riding with him on the horse and he falls off the horse and she's like we really got to work on your dismounts yeah he just flops
1: And so he sees that the uh, house is being overrun, so he makes a run for it, and he thinks to himself,
2: What did did Heck teach me?
1: Right, what would Heck do? What would Heck do? And he says, find water source and then go To the high ground. To the high ground. ground. And? Look for... Don't get naked. Oh, don't don't get get naked. naked. (laughs) That's right. That's
0: right. It's also this scene that they throw out real quickly talking about the stingray which is a device that they can use to bounce a signal off of uh, off of Ricky's phone and track where he is. And so I feel like this is exactly. They don't really say it out, you know specifically, but this is how now they're getting so many more close calls with Ricky and get to the point where they're across from him in that ditch. And
1: I kept asking myself while watching this, are the authorities camping or are they getting flown in every day by a helicopter? How are they this close? You know, to Heck and Ricky when they're supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere. But it would make sense with that moving forward into the story because they're closer to not civilization, but they're just more they're closer to other people.
2: I I was surprised by how much efforts and resources they were putting into finding these two people that weren't even necessarily criminals per se it was suspicious but they weren't criminals and yet you have the police and you have the military and you have aircraft that's a lot of resources you're throwing at these two people
1: that's right and moving down the line as we go further along in the story it it increases it escalates even well, yeah absolutely it
0: goes along with the theme of the movie which is no child left behind <laughs> i'm not sure if that's at the theme of the co- movie like, but doesn't he say at all all costs or something what did he say
1: by any means By necessary. By any means necessary. Yeah.
0: Exactly.
2: And then we get another cool montage that shows us the the police that they're on the on the hunt trying to look for them. And uh, I I just I, I enjoy these
0: montages that they have. I really appreciated that this this whole you know, between you know, Ricky at the cabin to Ricky finding Heck, we're now seeing that Ricky can survive on his own from his training with Heck. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and we're told that it's been four months now that they've been out. Yeah, and my first thought was this kid, even if you put him in foster care in the future, he's going to disappear. I mean, this kid now knows how to survive on his own.
1: And this is also the bit where... uh Ricky gets found. By Paula and Andy. And But they're separated by this ditch. And I love the whole Terminator reference. I'm the Terminator. No, I'm the Terminator.
2: No, you're Sarah Connor. You very more, you're, yeah. Sarah Connor from the first movie right. where she can't do any chin-ups. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's classic Taika writing. You know it is. So, uh Ricky... Uh, well, Paula, they want to bribe them, right? They're saying, if you say that Hector did all this uh, pervy shit, you'll never go to juvenile. Well, they're right? also You'll never there. go to juvie.
0: They're also holding up, I don't know if it was candy or trail mix or something. Like it was that. like trail mix. And did you catch, catch Ricky licking his lips? Yeah. Looking at it?
1: Yeah, he was He was all kinds of hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he declines and he runs off and ultimately he finds Hector.
2: Yep. Right after that, they happen into those three hunters again.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And doesn't Heck use a line again? Or Shit it'll... just got real. Yeah. Again.
1: His callback, yeah. And uh, they take their guns again, take their gear, and they take off.
2: There's a reward for you, Capture. How much? Ten thousand. Tell us when it gets to twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Such a gangster thing to say, right? This is where they
0: encounter the wild boar.
2: They're 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 continuing to talk and have good back and forth
0: rapport with each other, but now they encounter the wild boar. Well the two dogs run off ahead. It's after something, so they chase after the dogs.
1: And Heck knows that it's not it's something's wrong, though, because yeah. he's telling oh. them to stop to
0: get back. because yeah, he saw the boar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: And so uh the, the, anim- boar, the, the boar scene happens. and yeah,
0: the, the animals, you know, following their instinct. I guess yeah. the, the design of the boar was somewhat CGI, but also they put two, like, uh, I don't know, operators into the boar, one working the back legs, one working the front legs, and kind of puppetry of the boar.
1: Yeah, it looked like a puppet. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm, I was fine with, right? Uh, the shots were quick enough, and, and, and it, it worked. It, it, it worked. It worked, absolutely. Uh, but what a heartbreaking scene.
2: But right before that heartbreaking scene, we also have a pivotal scene where Ricky steps in, and, and he he steps in front of Heck, and and he's confronting that boar that is racing down on him, and he is calm, cool, collected, and he shoots it right between the eyes, and it skids to a halt. That's right.
0: Right at his feet. Well, before that scene, though, we have Heck's badass scene. Which you know kind of reminded me of Bella early on in the movie. And he jumps on the when board. He jumps off the cliff onto the boar. That is pretty badass for a guy who's sixty-five years old.
1: That's probably badass for anybody, anybody. in any age. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Because he was fearless. He was fearless. I mean, just with his little knife.
1: Yeah. Well, he had to. It was. It's either them or the boar, right?
0: Well, I think he did it because he was trying to save Zag at that point. Yeah, and and
2: boy, you know, so heartbreaking having having to have Zay go. You knew that that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just glad it wasn't both of them. Yeah. Right. I'm glad Tupac got away, but
0: yeah. Initially, when, when Tupac is running away and the boar is chasing him and then all of a sudden we see a bo- another boar, I thought that was a different boar. I thought maybe a second one had come in. No, I didn't realize the, the, the boar had turned around and come yeah, back. Yeah, he got
1: bored with chasing Tupac and is coming back. And this leads us to what you were saying, Ken, where he was rushing and then um, Ricky jumps in front. So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: those
2: are, those are some big cojones. That's
1: right. And then, so, uh, they get the board down and, and then we have to say goodbye to Zag. And so heck tells Ricky just to walk away. Don't look back, just walk away. And then we see Ricky in the foreground, heck in the background. We hear the pop of the gun and life goes on.
2: And then we have the the little grave that they put together. What does that say? Zag. Yeah. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, me too. And, and then
1: What didn't Hector say something like that's good. Yeah. Or he, he confirmed it or acknowledged it. There or was
2: something. A, some sort of affirmation. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. then immediately after this, we have Bella's remains pulled out and he just gives it to Heck.
1: What gets me or what got me is after Ricky hands her to him. They say what they say or whatever. And then there's very
0: little said. Yeah. He basically, one of the lines he says is you've been carrying or she's been with us this whole
1: time. Yeah. But the bit that gets me is is when he says, thanks for bringing her mate.
2: And Mm -hmm. it's that bit when he says mate, that's, that's the turn. That's the turn in the story where we now have heck bonded with Ricky. Yeah. As soon as he calls him
1: mate. Right. And even though he will not be called uncle, even though Ricky calls him uncle anyway, you know, but this is the first step. And uh, it was such a good moment. Such a good moment. Brought me to tears.
2: We have another montage and we see that winter is coming. And I enjoy this montage because it is this slow spin as we watch this evolution of time with the police officers and the hunters. And we just have this 360 spin as we watch this passage of time. All of these people on the hunt.
0: For Heck and Ricky. Julie brought up a good point, I think. I might have been around this point in the movie where she thought, doesn't Paula have other kids she has to look after to be spending five months trying to find this one kid?
1: I'm going to go ahead and say no. Okay.
0: Because she was there. And it's a smaller place. New yeah.
1: Zealand
2: has a smaller population. But <laughs> apparently the entire military force has nothing better to do except to head out into the bush to look for these two. Right. Chapter 9, Turn
1: of the Tide. This is where they find Psycho Sam, right?
2: Yeah, well, right before. But right before this, this is where we have... These guys couldn't find clowns at a circus, and then they're right there, and then they immediately go into hiding, and that's where you have Ricky trying to tell, heck, the
1: Lord of the Rings bit. Yeah,
0: this oh is just gosh. like Lord of the Rings. Yeah,
1: and it that's where they shot it. You know what I mean? Where uh, the... Yeah, the yeah, hobbits yeah. are underneath in yeah. the, the ring race. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where they shot it. it. Was in New Zealand. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of locations that you look at it and you go, oh.
2: Then we are introduced to Psycho Sam, which bush, I com- the bush guy.
1: I completely forgot he was in this movie, and it reminded me a lot of uh, Spielberg's War of the Worlds when they find Tim Robbins. It's just it's just kind of an out there scene that doesn't really move us forward or do anything for us, but. I didn't care because I like Ray's Darby, and he plays that kind of guy really well.
0: Who played crazy better? Who? Between War of the Worlds and... and Oh, uh,
1: Darby? I, uh, I don't know. Tim Robbins is pretty good. But, yeah, we get introduced to Psycho Sam, and... Uh, I, loved,
0: I loved his... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I loved his introduction of... Uh, have you heard about a guy in the woods
1: called Psycho Sam? No. 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 Okay. Well, I'm Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Come on! Let us go! And so they go back there and they... Uh, is, is he a bush? Is he a man? Is he a bush? Is he a man? That, that's what you should go for a Comic-Con next year. A bush? A bush. That
0: would be funny. Yeah.
1: And so uh, they land up staying there for a night and you have another uh, another good another, exchange. Another tender moment when they're in bed. Yeah. Not together. Not, they're, not together. No molestering. They're uh, bunk beds.
2: But Heck is flattered to be included in a poem. Yeah. First time he heard his name in a poem.
1: One of Ricky's haikus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Would you have eaten the cookie? The moldy, no. No. Uh, dusty cookies? No, I love what Heck does. He takes it right out of uh, Ricky's hand. Because you know Ricky was going to eat it. Ricky's fucking hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh But he takes it and he hides it. Because
2: you blow the mold off of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's one other very tender moment before they blow the candle out, which is... Heck is talking to Ricky and the two of them are talking about, you know, why didn't you have any kids? And, and Ricky is told by Heck that you're a pretty likable kid. Yeah. And so, you know, for this curmudgeonly, you know, crusty guy that wants nothing to do with anybody to, you know, to come this far to say that you're a pretty likable kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have definitely bonded
0: until Ricky gets gored by a boar and, and then, uh, Heck has to euthanize him.
1: Wow, you just can't let that go, can you? Oh, boy,
0: here we go. Kitty snuff now? Is that what you're
2: into?
1: Whoa, whoa. Kitty, K-I-T-T-Y or K-I-D-D-I-E?
2: K-I-D-D-I-E.
1: Oh, okay. Just making sure. So they wake up the next morning at Psycho Sam's, and they're surrounded. They're, the authorities have found them. Well, first,
0: Psycho Sam has taken apart the phone and that's how they find him because he's got he
2: juiced it up so it it ratcheted up its boost four bars you know so it can have a strong signal
1: right and so the authorities show up and uh Ricky and Heck have to get out of there so they take
0: well we, before they, they get get I love how Psycho Sam's like, "Oh, I've got a plan. I got a plan. We can go through the, you know, the uh, the tunnels." The tunnels that I've dug. Oh, I haven't dug them. What have I done with my life? Yeah.
1: Yeah. All we can do is just play dead. Come on, play dead. It only works if we all play dead. And then he plays dead. But they get uh, the truck. Crumpy. And (laughs) I like that Ricky drives. Where did he learn to drive? He's a fucking... Let alone stick shift.
0: I wonder maybe one of his things, was he stealing cars or...
1: Probably. Uh, uh, That's how I took it, and that's why I bought it. As far as him knowing how to drive stick, everybody should know how to drive stick.
0: Well, let alone driving stick in in the bush... uh, how did, I mean, just the fact that he did it so well, he was really good at driving stick in the bush.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it, there's not a whole bunch for him to worry about because it's just shrubs and bushes and, you know, the occasional tree. So he worked that stick. No,
0: no problem.
1: Yeah. But when you're driving stick in the bush, it's no different than driving stick on, say, like hardwood floors.
0: I guess that's true. So you're saying without the bush, it's just the same.
1: Yeah. A stick is a stick. That's a good point. Yeah.
0: So they
2: break through, and then there's all of these vehicles closing in on them. And I love what Hex says. He's like, well, might as well play it to the end. What do you reckon? You mean have a shootout? And when we run out of bullets, we run around freedom and die in a blaze of glory? No, actually, I meant till we run out of petrol.
1: I'm going out in a blaze of glory. What I loved about this bit were the fucking tanks. What? what the what? Hell?
0: Tanks. Well, <laughs> another comment that I made to Julie during this part, when they were going across that big open area and everything, was nobody's going to shoot at them, not with the kid in the car.
1: Well, so they're well, all who just knows at this point. Around. Yeah, I know. All,
0: the whole point was they're trying to get the kid back from the molester, and yeah, they just going to let them drive around until they run out of gas. Yeah, I and guess. And of course, Paul is in that. What are that? It
1: uh, was a tank. It was like one of those submersible land... It was
0: an eight-wheeler.
1: Fuck it. I'm going to call it a tank.
0: What would you think about how, uh, I guess, something about... um, There was some popular truck commercial in New Zealand that was almost shot for shot the exact same as the chase in this movie, I guess, in that even with uh, Ricky... Flipping the truck around and going back through the cars chasing him. What what'd you think of that all action?
1: Oh, I thought the action was great.
0: Yeah, I
2: thought it was good. Yeah. One of Tycho's favorite moments was when he got to film the
1: police car flip. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Practical. Yeah. A fun stunt. I bet you that was totally an exciting un- day.
0: Totally unnecessary?
1: Absolutely unnecessary. But if you can do it, why not do it?
0: That's why he did it. That's right. And Hex reaction when they're driving towards the junkyard or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they drive into this junkyard. Crash. And they crash. And, you know, it's, it's time to give up.
0: Tupac is the first one out.
1: <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I was wondering how he stayed in there.
0: No that, kidding. But Julie asked the same question. Yeah. Well, there goes the other dog.
1: And so... They get out of the truck, and the authorities are coming, and... Heck wants nothing more. He's done.
0: He's done. This, this, I I have to say, this part of the movie is the only scene that I really didn't like. I thought this... You may disagree, but I felt like this was poorly written, in that after all their time together, after all their bonding together, and I know that Ricky explains it later, that he was caught up in the whole gangster thing of it, I didn't see Ricky turning on Heck like that. It just seems so odd for him to yell "molester, he's molestering me" and then to do the whole even the it was a gag of shooting him in the ass, but it just it felt like so out of place to me.
1: The uh, shooting him in the ass is a no-brainer because it has to happen uh, just with the nature of the film, but I agree it it does it does seem out of character. And I think the point is that we all do things at times that aren't in our character. It doesn't mean that we're bad or whatever, but there are times that all of us will do something that is completely out of character. And this is one of those moments where everything we think and we've seen has made sense and it flows and it, and it's good. And I think that Taika was just trying to just to mix it up a little bit. And you're right. It, it didn't feel like it was in his character. But I understand why he did it.
0: I feel like there's so many other ways they could have, you know, still ended it with them getting caught. You know, we could have just had Ricky go, well, that was fun or something like that. And them get into a heated little thing or whatever. Just kind of, you know, their back and forth that they normally have. Uh, just yelling out molestering. He's molestering me, you know, knowing that that's something that Heck was
1: kind of afraid of. Ricky totally knew that's what he was afraid of. That's why he did it.
0: I know. And
2: that's what really bothered me.
1: Yeah, Well, he's a little fucking shit.
2: Well, I took it as Ricky, he is so desperate to have what he's had for the last five months with Heck that he will lash out in any way possible about how much he wants to preserve what he already has in the last five months.
1: And what did Paula offer him?
2: She offered him uh, a swank, nice, uh, cushy uh, place to land in a, in a uh, nice home in a nice neighborhood. If? If if he turned in and so maybe that's what he was
0: doing too yeah again I just don't feel that that was my big down point in the movie yeah,
1: I can see why and so as it turns out after all of this happens um heck goes to jail and Ricky is actually taken in by the by Kahua's family yeah I, so. I,
0: you know I didn't click with me earlier on that that could be potentially an outcome for him. But I'm really happy with that outcome.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I I didn't really see it coming either. Uh, You know, they cut to the green hottie. And so now we know that he's with a new family. And then when we pan over and we see Kahua and her dad, you can't help but go, oh, right on.
0: You know, we should have caught it earlier on because one of the things that she had said to him early on in the movie was, you could just stay here. We have plenty of room. Yeah, yeah. So we should have caught it, but what did you think of the court scene? The montage? The montage of the court scene. And I loved how when they got to Paula, she was re-explaining
1: how she was the Terminator and he was, you know. The Sarah Connor, yeah, (laughs) which had nothing to do with it, you know. Uh, It's all great writing. Great writing, great cutting all the way around. After Hex released from jail, Ricky seeks him out to apologize for the porn note their adventure ended on and to invite him to join Kahua's family who he points out could use Heck's help around their farm. Heck agrees, and the two head out into the bush in search of a huia, an extinct bird they had rediscovered during their time on the run. Roll credits. So this last couple of minutes of the film, it, it really kind of ties it up nicely. And, and I'm glad that they brought the two back together. You know, it needed to happen. I I think so. I think it would have been kind of a downer if heck would have stayed into that, uh, that men's home or wherever he was living, you know, after he gets out of prison, that's not a Taika movie. No, not at all. But he comes back and, um, you know, Ricky says, Hey man, I'm sorry. And you could come live with us. And, uh, this is where heck. It, well, you know, Heck is teaching himself how to read, but this is also where Heck gives Ricky his haiku, and and it's at that moment you're just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And then Ricky says, "But I have to, I have to be able to call you uncle." That's
0: his but, rule. But,
1: yeah, but I have one rule. Yeah, I get to call you uncle, and uh, Heck, Heck is like, "He, has, I can, he has I can, a rule too. I can, I can deal with that." And what's Heck's rule? Not allowed to shoot me. That's right. <laughs>
0: This is probably, I guess, an example that you would usually tell me less is more, but we never get to really find out how much time has gone by, how much time heck has been in the prison, how much time he's been in the halfway house, or what exactly he was charged with.
1: I'm going to ask you a question. Didn't
0: You're absolutely right. We did not need it.
1: No, does it matter? No, and that's why I'm
0: saying this was a great example of less is more. We probably didn't need to know that information. I was curious, but... Really, I guess, you know, just getting by that is killing some time that we we just wasted on it.
2: And I do enjoy how they do end up hugging. And then the next shot is them walking off into the bush. And Ricky's leading the way. And he's like, can you keep up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're going after that bird. Oh, and uh, Ricky shows, heck, that he bought a camera. Right. So they could go out and take the picture of the bird.
0: One thing I was confused about, though, is the original, you know, selling heck on coming with him was... They could really use your help around the farm. But yet, the two of them are going back into the bush, and we're assuming they're going to be back in the bush for a while. So, what happened to this whole thing of helping out around the farm?
1: Um, it was their day off.
0: Okay. But the other thought, too, was uh, one of the things I really liked was one uh, of Hex's last lines before they leave the halfway house.
1: I just have to grab my toothbrush. <laughs> that's great.
0: <laughs> he just goes back in for his toothbrush.
1: Yeah, that's all. That's all he needs is his toothbrush. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, good stuff.
0: Earlier, Don, you mentioned that another movie was filmed in the same location in New Zealand, and a lot of the shots I think, Professor, you brought up were similar or in the same places as another movie we enjoy. Oh, fuck,
1: did we say that? (sighs) And now it's time for John's... precious moment.
0: This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we're currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever, Lord of the Rings. You'd think this movie would be easy to compare to Lord of the Rings. Hell, the movie was filmed in New Zealand. Both movies have a journey and lots of walking. The main characters spend the entire movie being hunted and so on. But figuring out which characters matched up took a little bit of effort. Let's start with Frodo. In Lord of the Rings, the main journey focuses on Frodo as the ring bearer. In Hunt for the Wilder People*, it's mainly Heck that is on the journey. His whole life is upended when Ricky comes into it and Bella dies. He's the one I saw as our main journey, the one learning to open up and let others in. That would make Ricky Baker our Sam, while he's also on a journey. His journey really centers on Heck, breaking down his barriers and helping him along the way. And in the end, opening him up to the idea of family. It was Ricky in the end who assisted Heck across the final leg of his journey into rejoining life. My choice for Gandalf, well, that would be Bella. After all, she's the main cause for Heck and Ricky to go on their journey. She put them together. And it was her death that inspired them to venture out. My choice for Marion Pippin? Well, loosely, while not comical, are Zag and Tupac. Both had a habit of disappearing a lot, but both were fiercely loyal and did get in trouble from time to time, like with the boar. That makes our fellowship Heck, Ricky, Bella, Zag, and Tupac. I was thinking about Kahua. Who did she represent in this movie? For me, she represented Gladriel, as she offers light to Ricky in the dark. She also, in that one scene, had the light behind her, which reminded me of the scene when Frodo first came upon her. Sauron the White? Well, that would be Paula Hall, the child welfare worker. While she seemed like the big bad, I believe it's who she works for, the organization that Ricky claims he d- that doesn't really care about what happens to foster kids, That is the big bad. So the child welfare system would be our Sauron. That makes Andy, the police officer, Paula's Wormwood. He really just kind of was lurking around in the shadows and didn't have much to do. The three hunters? Well, those would be our ringwraiths, constantly hunting the pair. I really wanted to find a comparison for Psycho Sam. The closest I could come up for him was Theoden. In Lord of the Rings... Early on, Theoden was bewitched and a bit crazy, kind of like Sam. Sam seems to liven up while in the presence of our heroes. He offers Heck and Ricky hospitality within his kingdom and even assists them with a horse to ride away from when the danger comes calling. So what is our precious? What is the one ring in Hunt for the Wilder People? The ring is represented by the barriers that people put up to keep others out. For Heck, it's the wall he has between himself and the rest of the world, not letting anyone in who might lead to him being hurt. He let Bella in, and he's not going to let that happen again. For Ricky, it's the barriers he created because of his past experiences in foster care. Bella was a catalyst for both of them to start breaking through those walls. But in the end, it takes a combination of both Ricky and Heck to finally destroy their rings. And there you have it, my comparison between Hunt for the Wilder People* and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades.
1: Mm. I am torn. Let me tell you why. I liked what you did with Frodo Sam. I really liked the Galadriel. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Um, I think we could have left Psycho Sam out. I, I personally don't see the Theoden uh, correlation. I get the whole Bewitched thing. But was Psycho Sam really bewitched? Possibly. I'm just saying that could have been, you know. Uh, other than that, you know, not not bad at all, sir. Not bad at all. I'm going to give you a solid B-. minus.
2: Oh, yeah. That's about where I'm at, too. Because I, I like to get glad real. I also thought that uh, I could see Wormwood angle on that.
1: I got to know. I thought it was Wormtail.
0: It is. It's worm tongue.
1: Worm tongue.
0: You know, I think you're right. I think I. you might have to lower my grade for that.
1: It's worm. <laughs> Dude, don't ever do that. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm i kicking myself. I, I thought it was wormwood for some reason. So for that reason, I was thinking C plus,
2: B minus, C plus, B minus. And ultimately, I, I, I think I ended up with a B minus because we had the inclusion of worm tongue.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go, homie. Shit just got real. And that was John's my precious. moment. I feel majestical. You look majestical, my man. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick?
2: I'm ready to rate this flick, John. Are you ready to rate this flick? I am ready to jump back into the bush.
1: Professor, how do we do our ratings?
2: We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. We are ready to watch that anytime somebody says, you want to watch Hunt for the Wilder People? Fuck yeah, I do. A one fuck movie is a movie where, what the fuck was that? Okay, you know what? Okay, whatever. I I don't ever need to see that again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is, oh, for shit's sake. Why did you make me watch this? This movie isn't even worth a fuck. I want 102 minutes of my life back.
1: Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, which one of you wildebeests would like to go first? Would you like
0: me to go first? Mm. Uh, it's very dangerous. You go first. Very good. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, well, typically you are actually back on a streak again. Don, would you like to guess my... Rating again for this movie? I would, actually.
1: All right, so you're right. I am on a streak. Uh, what am I? Five and one, six and one? Yeah. Something like that. All right. Hunt for the wilder people. Hunt for the wilder people. You liked it. I can see you taking bits off for uh Ricky's decision. I'm gonna say you are gonna give it four solid fucks.
0: Is that your final answer?
1: Yes, it is. That is my final fucking answer. Okay.
0: My mother always taught me that if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But since I like this movie, I have plenty to say. At the heart of Hunt for the Wilder People* are the film's two main characters, Ricky and Heck. Ricky is a plucky, likable kid who has been shuffled from foster home to foster home, while Heck is a gruff, no-nonsense man who is reluctantly thrust into the role of Ricky's caregiver. Despite their differences, the two develop a close bond as they navigate the challenges of life in the wilderness. The casting of this movie, in my opinion, was perfect. Both Sam and Julian did an amazing job and I loved how they interacted between the two of them. I will say Julian's style of acting, while it feels the same in other movies I've seen him in, he's still a joy to watch the manhunt element of the story led to some fun and hilarious outcomes. But really, my favorite parts were just the bonding scenes between Heck and Ricky, as well as the collection of colorful characters from the bumbling hunters to Psycho Sam. The movie did have some slow parts, and I always have to downgrade a movie that has a puppy snuff scene. But really, the only issue I had with this movie was the part where they were caught. I understand Ricky's explanation for why he acted the way he did, but after all their time together, it felt unbelievable to me how Ricky would turn so quickly on Heck. Enough to claim he was molestering him. That bit left a sour taste in my mouth. Is it inappropriate to say that after using the word molestering? There are so many hilarious moments in Hunt for the Wilder People that it's hard to pick just a few favorites. I really enjoyed Ricky's creative insults and Heck's deadpan comebacks. The film is full of witty banner and it made me laugh laugh out loud several times. Despite its zany humor, Hunt for the Wilder People also has a lot of heart. The film touches on themes of family, friendship, and the importance of finding a place to belong. At its core, the story is about two people who are struggling to find their place in the world and who ultimately find a sense of belonging with each other. The music in Hunt for the Wilder People is as quirky, fun, as the film is itself. From the upbeat opening theme to the the folksy tunes that play over the end credits, the soundtrack perfectly captures the film's offbeat spirit. My favorite probably was the tune Majestical that was played during the car chase. I always ask myself after watching one of these movies, would you watch it again? Well, I actually enjoyed this movie enough to invite my wife to watch it with me for a second time. So that answers the question as a big fat yes. So for those reasons, I'm giving Hunt for the Wilder People" four fucks. I subtracted .25 for Killing Zag. And the molestering bit.
1: Still four fucks. Yes,
0: you are correct. You are right again. All right. Four, seven and one.
1: Four fucks from the comic book guy. What about you there, Brosif?
2: All right. Yeah, I'll go. Okay. I'm not scared. You sure? We'll
1: sure. Go pretty on then. Pretty sure. Okay. Go on.
2: Hunt for the Wilder People. It had been maybe a year since I'd seen this movie but it is every bit as enjoyable as I recalled it being the last time around. I think that this movie has a lot of heart. It is so delightful in how funny and it is, uh, it's it's got a real heart to it, and it's very uplifting, and it's overall a very entertaining movie and the comedy works because I guess I feel like that I'm kind of in on the joke. A comedy is so hard to pull off. You know, for a for a comedy that we reviewed recently, I felt that it was pushed too hard. It was, like, shoved into my face, and it was, I felt like that the, that the director or the story is telling me, this is funny, and because of that, it takes me out of the movie, and so, you know, don't try to force me to laugh like that and it I just think that it's so good the way the comedy works in this movie it is so subtle and the other really impressive thing about this movie is that it also has some very somber notes to it you know that you laugh several times in this movie but you know there's several scenes in here where you cry And it is so heartbreaking having Bella pass away and having Zag pass away. It was such a comfort having the dogs throughout the movie. I enjoyed their constant companionship the entire time that they were on the screen. It just kind of sort of made it feel like a, a fun adventure. And it didn't seem perilous. And it always made me feel hopeful the way that the dogs were always around. And so, you know, having to lose Zag like that, oh boy. Having these you know, aspects of the movie, I just think that it's really good storytelling. And I think that Taika Waititi has done an excellent job in this movie. It is a very strong movie. The characters are so likable. Heck and, and, and Ricky, so delightful. And I enjoy the banter that they go back and forth with. And how effective Heck is in conveying his emotions when he's not saying anything. He gives you know, th- those icy looks And it just works so well. I love the music as well. You know, these different uh, pieces of of music that we had, you know, just so delightful. It just made for a really fun, easy watch. I think that this is a very strong movie. And I'm giving it 4.5 fucks.
1: 4.5 fucks from The Professor. Well, I guess that just leaves me, right?
0: I'll say, how about you go next?
1: Hey, why don't I get into some bush? The Hunt for the Wilder People was a story full of heart. It took serious emotions and found a place for humor. And sometimes we need that in life. We need to be able to see the lighter side of things. Taika has this unique style to all of his films from his shot selection to the casting, to the soundtracks. He puts together just absolutely fun stories and entertaining stories. Uh, This particular one is quirky, it's offbeat, but it is exceptionally charming. And the editing throughout this film was top-notch, the casting was top-notch, nine times out of ten I would watch this movie whenever, you know what I mean? Sam Neill was great, Ricky was great, the supporting cast, everybody, Uh, just a really fun, heartwarming film that I am going to give 4.25 fucks.
2: All right. I like that.
1: With four two point five fucks from me, four fucks from the comic book guy, and four and a half fucks from the professor, that gives the hunt for the wilder people an average of 4.25 fucks, which puts it in the eighth spot tied with Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and Saving Private Ryan. It is slightly better than Casino Royale, The Big Lebowski, The Breakfast Club, and slightly worse than A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Original, and Hot Fuzz.
0: I could see Hot Fuzz uh, being a little bit better than Bush.
1: Fuzz better than Bush?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that too. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys and a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. And speaking of which, John, where can they find us?
0: Well, you can always find us at our website, threeguysandaflick.com, where we post all of our podcasts, show notes, movie trivia, anything else we feel like, teasers for our upcoming podcasts you can also find us at all of social media as well as any place that hosts podcasts
1: i just want to thank zach again for uh, requesting hunt for the wilder people we had a lot of fun watching it hope you have fun listening to it i also want to thank ronnie and jill for listening keep on listening thanks
2: zach thanks ronnie thanks jill
1: and i want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie Uh, if you keep listening we'll keep recording for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
2: I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Ricky Baker, now you are 13 years old. You are a teenager and you're as good as gold. Ricky Baker.
1: Ricky Baker. Happy birthday. Once rejected, now accepted.
2: By
0: me and Hector we try factor We keep aika ah we keep aika ah
1: Ricky keep aika ah uh, ah we Ricky aika a ha Ricky Beka Kingi you Wanka you are so I hate you heaps Please die soon in pain. And to my right, we have the comic book guy, John.
0: You're supposed to ask me how I'm doing. Oh, I guess you're not. Never mind. Can you do that again?
1: Well, I'm sure we all know him as the kid from Daredevil. He's <laughs> <laughs> the kid.
0: When Ricky Bobby.
1: <laughs> so Let's run through it one more time. All right. The whole thing? Yeah, the whole fucking thing. Oh my god welcome back you are listening to three guys in a flick
0: <clears throat> i'm ready to beat the bush let's go let's get back into it right back into the bush
1: right back in the bush i love it john i can't believe you said that dude that is horrible i did not say that uh, uh by but the when time you edit it yeah, yeah by the time i'm done editing it you're gonna fucking say it yes
0: he y'all uh, he did one all zombie on easter
1: yes well i mean all you had to do is double tap him yeah. right in the head two times all right fuck off good night